Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, and I want to talk to you about a hot topic other than the weather, and that is dining in hotels and prominent chefs doing more business with hotels. Uh, this is a ongoing and popular hot growing trend in restaurants, uh, something we've discussed a bit on this podcast. Uh, recently, we had Michael Mina on, whose entire uh, business is involved with teaming up with hotels to open restaurants in them. And there are a lot of benefits to the hotels and the restaurants. They can improve occupancy rates for the hotels, even room rates for the hotels. And for chefs, they already have uh, an infrastructure in place in the hotels that allows them to focus more on running a restaurant and uh, pay less attention to various uh, backroom administrative stuff that hotels are are really good at. Uh, Another recent guest on this podcast, David Burke, uh, just made an agreement with uh, Bernard's Inn in Bernardsville, New Jersey, where he is not only redoing all of the restaurants there, but he actually is taking over management of the hotel. It's a little hotel, 20 rooms, and this is his first foray into that. Uh, My guest for this podcast, Sam Bakshandapur, is not a stranger at all to opening uh, restaurants in hotels, nor in running hotels. He comes from the hotel industry and is now the head of the Jose Andres Restaurant Group, formerly called the Think Food Group. Uh, I I guess possibly their best asset, certainly one of them, is beloved Jose Andres, the uh, philanthropist and humanitarian and also an extremely capable restaurant operator and, and a very accomplished chef whose food I always enjoy eating. Uh, Sambak Shandapur is the CEO and uh, part of the uh, growth strategy of the Jose Andres group is opening in more hotels. Uh, In fact, they are just about to open another bazaar by Jose Andres at the Ritz-Carlton here in New York City. And so I would love to have you listen to what... Sam Bakshandapur. I just really like saying Bakshandapur. It's a great last name. Um, but anyway, I, I want you to enjoy what Sam Bakshandapur and I uh, discussed. And right now, here he is, Sam Bakshandapur. I love going to Mercado Little Spain in Hudson Yards, which is saying a Thank lot. Thank you. I don't, I don't love Hudson Yards. A friend of uh, mine. Who, who calls, does? I mean, property developers, tech guys, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine who's a restaurant consultant calls it uh, East New Jersey, which uh, cracks me up. But that's too funny. No, it's they've done, look, Related's done a beautiful job there, all kidding yes. aside. Yeah. Um, it, it, Mercado is just, you know, one of the puzzle pieces and they continue to add to it. And honestly, I've been so pleasantly surprised by the energy that we continue to see bubbling up in Hudson Yards with, you know, 
put aside office workers and, and residents, the locals who love coming to Mercado, but, you know, tourists. Tourists have really put Mercado Little Spain on the map as one of the go-to places in Manhattan. And mm -hmm. it's been really flattering to see that. Well, it's great. You can go there and get a reasonably priced, delicious Spanish meal. And that's, and like delicious, like really good. And which I guess I'd expect from Jose Andres, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's look, it, it, you know, Jose, anything. And Jose's obviously, he sets the tone and he's the North Star with the brand standards he sets. But it's this incredible team of men and women that have, you know, been energized by Jose and the standards and do the execution on the culinary side and execute on capturing that spirit and essence of Jose Andres group, which is our, you know, new naming, um, uh, how we rebranded the company. And Mercado is the perfect example when Jose set out to launch Mercado Little Spain, um, the goal was really to bring that authenticity of a Spanish Mercado to New York, to the West Side, partner with you know, these incredible developers and related and bring a piece of Spain to the West Side Highway and, or East Jersey as you'd call it, <laughs> you know? And, and, it's, and it's, you know, I appreciate what you're saying because that was the goal. It was supposed to be, you know, this fun, playful, authentic, incredibly delicious experience, something that you'd have to, you know, travel across the pond to get. Um, but now it's here in our backyard. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I was also at Bar Mar when I was in Chicago last year. Oh, you did. Nice. Nice. So good. That yeah, was wonderful. I had those little teeny tacos with, uh, which are oh, tacos because yeah. it's nori <laughs> and it's got other hachi and ginger i love the, so you'll love and i know you spend time in thailand and southeast asia and i love asian cuisine and this bazaar here in new york um is the spirit of this menu is travels through from Japan, and it has japanese influences and our chef uh you know chef koji who's one of our culinary chefs uh, has partnered up to bring a lot of Asian influences. And that nori, that ho that taco, it's Jose's taco is what he calls it with the nori and the Iberico ham and the caviar. You know, you'll have a lot of elements of that on this menu here, but Bar Mar has been, you know, so well received and so humbling to go into Chicago with that concept and, you know, see the joy in people's faces and the regulars that, you know, and Chicago is a very sophisticated food town. They're they're loving it. They're loving Bar Mar. We have great partners there in Gibson's. You you uh, cut off for like one second, and I think you said that the bazaar is about a journey from Spain to Japan. Is that right? It, it, it's actually the other way. It's it's Spain oh. meets Japan. Okay. Um, and there were travels of Japanese who ended up in Spain. And there's a whole storyline, which I'll send to you, that influenced the culinary um, direction of this bazaar in New York. So this will be the first bazaar that has uh, Japanese influences on it. Well, that's that's fun. And I imagine that there's already Japanese influence in Spain. There certainly is in France. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Because a, a bunch, I mean, I had a conversation with Danielle Boulou about this. Actually, he was on a panel at the Japan Society about it, talking about how when a bunch of Japanese chefs started, when Japan had all the money and they were all uh, learning how to cook French food in France, they right. introduced the French to the omakase, which became the French degustation or yep. menu, as uh, we call it in the U.S. That's so cool. That's and, really cool. Yeah. And I, I love I was yeah, I mean the 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 French and that that type of ex, the crossover, right? Influences of the Japanese are felt through so many cultures. And I'm excited to showcase, you know, bizarre and um, you know, we're excited for people to see that in the Spanish culture as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that too. So Sam, how did you hook up with uh, Jose Andres? <laughs> So I was the CEO of a hotel uh, entertainment platform that launched our first hotel in Beverly Hills called the SLS. Uh And we uh, partnered with Jose to do his first restaurant outside of DC um, in our hotel. So he was the chef partner um, and the SLS soon, you know, became, uh, you know, one of the hottest hotels in the world in the lifestyle category uh, really because of Jose and I, you know, love the man was blown away by his team, the authenticity, the, just the passion and the creativity, the storytelling. And that was the whole spirit of our hotel company. And long story short, I sold that hotel, uh, not just the hotel. We grew from Beverly Hills to Miami, uh, went to Las Vegas and we ended up selling the private equity firm stake. And I uh, launched my own investment platform with a family office. Coincidentally, and you'll appreciate this, Brett, it's a Taiwanese family office. And um, a consortium of these family offices in Taiwan who all love the bazaar, we bought back the bazaar from my previous employer with Jose. So we were chef, you know, chef and I, we were partners uh, launching and expanding the bazaars. And right before the pandemic, he reached out to me and his co-founder, Rob Wilder, um, again, dear friends, and said, look, we're, we want to really elevate and you know put a real strategy in place to grow our business. And I came in-house um, right before the pandemic and partnered up with Jose and the team to uh, really take uh, his platform into you know, the two, the 3.0, as we call it, um, going from, you know, the original to 2.0 to now 3.0, uh, which is the growth phase that we're in. And you're opening a bunch of things, right? And you have open stuff. Why don't you? We are, we are. Yeah. No, I, you know, when I, when I came in house, um, we looked at our company and we realized that really we're, we're in the business of creating food content and storytelling. And, the uh, experience always had a true north uh, with a mission that was authentic, and it was to change the world through the power of food. And you had a very a good core group of culinary professionals. And we said, okay, how do we want to grow this company? And you know, there's over 20 brands. We have 35, and next week or two weeks from now, it'll be 36 restaurants. We're in nine markets globally, and I'll talk about the international expansion in a minute. And we decided that, you know, given the experience that we had had with hotels, growth through the hotel channel, um, 
made a lot of sense. Uh, we all have, you know, deep backgrounds, rich backgrounds in the hotel business. And we know what hotel, what restaurants do for hotels. And really it was what, what our content does for real estate as a whole. And the way, you know, we viewed it, we said, look, we do two things very simply. We drive traffic and become a destination. And I experienced this with SLS in Beverly Hills. The vast majority of the guests of the restaurants were locals. They weren't hotel guests. And the second thing that we do is we drive rate. So we had one of the highest room rates in Miami, in Beverly Hills. Again, it was thanks to the bazaar. And now we've opened Conrad LA uh, at the Grand in Los Angeles, one of the top boutique hotels in all of Los Angeles. We opened uh, here, obviously, the first chapter of the story of the Ritz Nomad. And it's one of the highest grossing um, you know, hotels in all of Manhattan. And we opened at the Waldorf in Washington, D.C., at the old post office, and with incredible new partners that took over that property and converted it to a Waldorf. Uh, and it's one of the top restaurants in D.C. And, you know, this marriage of delivering our food storytelling and content to hotels will continue. Um, obviously, Bazaar is opening here in two weeks uh, at Ritz Nomad. We're building a nice pipeline of hotels, which we'll announce soon. And we've had two incredible partners in Hilton and Marriott with their luxury categories that will continue to do more and more uh, properties with them. The other channel that we um, are uh, going to start opening uh, next year, starting next year, um, actually at the end of this year, I believe, is um, the retail channel. We announced a, a partnership with Simon Properties, who is one of the largest lifestyle center operators in the world. Uh, really an incredible forward-looking um, firm that understands the shift in consumer sentiment and they're creating these life lifestyle centers and malls that are cutting edge, experience-based. And they appreciate that the heart and soul of what's driving traffic is restaurants. And we're going to do two projects in Las Vegas and one in Palo Alto with Simon. And there will be more to come with that joint venture. And as, as Jose always says, he says, we are the software to their hardware. Again, it's the same spirit of hotels. We drive traffic to the malls and we're able to help the owners push they're retenanting and rents around us because of, you know, the activation of putting one of our restaurants. Um, those are really our top two channels of growth. We are partnering with airports as well. Um, we have a terrific partnership with Capital One. Um, they're launching uh, a series of landings, as we're calling it, the Capital One landings. The first two will be in New York, LaGuardia, and Washington, D.C. at Reagan National. And this will be the evolution of creating a space for travelers to really experience elevated localized cuisine as they're traveling from city to city. And again, goes back to where all about food storytelling and content and delivering experiences to our guests that are, you know, unmatched. So that's really the growth pipeline um, coming down the pike in the next couple of years. Um, we did open also in uh, Dubai earlier this year. 
at Atlantis, the Royal, again, another luxury hotel uh, property. We put Haleo in that property. Uh, one of the most spectacular openings um, that you can imagine. And we continue to, you know, partner well with Kersner and uh, the team at the Atlantis and deliver, you know, a, an authentic Spanish experience to the Middle East, which, um, you know, stay tuned. There's going to be uh, a lot more that we do in the region, uh, something that is high on our radar for expansion to look at the Middle East as well as Asia. Um well, uh, we're working and getting closer on announcing our first project in Asia, uh, which hopefully I'll have something by year end uh, to, you know, bring bring our talents out to uh, that part of the world. Well, that's cool. Uh, that's a lot. Um, and it's interesting that you, uh, a big uh, uh, driver of your expansion is continued partnership with hotels, because that is a conversation I'm having a lot with a lot of people. Michael Mina was just recently on this podcast and obviously his sure. whole thing is partnering with hotels. And I was just interviewing uh, the Sage uh, Hospitality Group based in Denver. And they're all about hotel management, opening uh, restaurants in hotels. Uh, and you mentioned what restaurants do for hotels. I mean, I, I think it's kind of interesting that it drives up room rates since obviously you do, don't have to stay at the hotel to eat there. But totally, totally. I, I guess it adds. Well, our, you know, our our approach is a little different, um, as you'll see. More often than not, we control the entire F&B experience. So when you come to Ritz Nomad, um, you're going to go to this incredible rooftop bar in New Belize. We have a spectacular lobby bar with a bizarre bar. We have a three-meal restaurant with our Mediterranean meze concept called Zaytina. Mm -hmm. It's Greek, Lebanese, Turkish. And then the signature bizarre Spain meets Japan concept. So all, the, and then in, in addition, obviously, you know, room service and banquets. So we're really all encompassing with uh, the F&B for the hotel. So that experience, soup to nuts of the guest, we're able to provide a, a very unified first-class experience to them. So you don't have the feeling that, you know, the restaurant is not part of the overall experience where if you have, you know, a two, three night stay, we're able to capture a lot more of that business for the hotel where I take, you know, page out of my, you know, uh, gaming background when I was with JP Morgan, the casino CEOs who I spent time with day in and day out, they would always talk about maximizing the capture of the guest spend and not letting you set foot off of the casino campus. So the spa, the gambling, the restaurants, the nightclub, the rooms, the shopping, all your experience, they wanted to control and deliver the best of. We're in essence doing that with the most important part of the experience, which is the socializing and the food and the beverage and that community aspect, which we're delivering in our restaurants um, across all the venues versus just a narrow, you know, this is our one restaurant. It could be here or there. It doesn't matter. We're really ingrained with our partners in the hotels as one unified experience. That all makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of synergy, as, as you business people like to call it. 
And yeah, big time. <laughs> um, and so it obviously helps that you have a hotel background, background, uh, even though now you're the head of a restaurant company. Yeah, look, it's all about the guest experience. Um, you know, our, our it's the guests are the center of the universe, and how do you, you know, this phrase of surprise and delight? Everyone's got their own, you know, buzzword. But for us, it's how do you make it so remarkable for the guests that they remember and they come back and they continue to be part of, you know, your future openings and really find you from city to city. How do hotels help restaurants benefit by opening? In so, yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. So when you flip the script and look at it from, you know, the, the other lens, you as a as a hotel and that's why it's really important to have the right hotel partners because brand alignment is key and you know why we're thrilled with our partnership with ritz carlton here in new york or conrad or waldorf in la and dc our two hotel partners have like-minded dna where they're putting the guests first and foremost they have a captive audience above your head and in partnership they explain that part of the experience is not just coming and staying for a night of sleep and doing everything off-site but they integrate the experience right upon check-in right upon when you make the reservation that if you want to make a reservation at bazaar at ritz nomad when you make your reservation you should make your reservation for the rooftop lounge nouvelles and the restaurant bazaar and that integration allows you to have capture a demographic of hotel guests. In addition, we know that tourists and residents, it's a trifecta of guests who seek us out. We have all three boxes checked and the hotels deliver with a captive audience that we become integrated into the holistic experience that the Ritz is looking to deliver to their guests. And that partnership has worked really well where, you know, the CEO of Marriott, who is a visionary in himself as to what he's doing with that company, Tony Capuano, he sat in the lobby. He was literally in the Bizarre Bar last year, yesterday, because yesterday was our one-year anniversary, and CNBC did an interview, and he said, look, this is Ritz-Carlton 2.0. This is the future of Ritz. The design and the food and beverage has been carved out and led by now Jose Andres group. And that experience proved that they've evolved to realizing, yes, they're unbelievable operators, but doing a partnership with a company like ours, we start with the Ritz and the sky's the limit. Um, you know, Tony and Flag Luxury, our partners who are the owners, they, they understood that. They understood the power of that partnership to bringing, you know, those that, again, we all have the same philosophy, you put the guests first, um, but when you see it come to life is, is really a special, special thing. And I imagine you also benefit from hotel infrastructure. They already have, you know, an accounting department and HR and all of that, which uh, has to lighten your load a bit also. It depends. Um, you, you bring up a good point in that certain situations where, we license our concepts. Uh, we do leverage the hotel infrastructure, but you know, more often than not, we're managing and it's really in partnership with the hotel infrastructure because we're managing and they're employees of Jose Andreas Group and 
we're actually, you know, running all the support functionality as well, okay. in addition to, you know, culinary. Well, as a, a large restaurant group as you are, I guess you also have the human resources and the accounting and all that stuff. That, that... We did. I mean, that's that's where, you know, through the pandemic, Brett, I, I really, you know, commend our board and the, the vision that they had. They said, look, let's invest in people and invest in systems. So our company, despite, you know, only being 35 restaurants, it's a platform that's set up for tremendous growth that can you know build on this foundation that we've built over the last two years and when it comes to systems processes infrastructure investment in technology and then attracting honestly it's the best in class talent that was out there in our industry we now have you know our head of operations came from union square hospitality our cfo came from margaritaville and nando's our Design and development, our chief design and development officer came from Accor Hotels. Our CMO came from WeWork, Virgin. So we really have, you know, and the list goes on and on. We've surround ourselves with real leaders that are seasoned veterans that are primed for a massive growth phase of a company because we've all done it before. We've done it in our prior lives. And that's the infrastructure that you need where you can then sit down with a hotel partner and say, look, guys, we're coming to you. We'll deliver this incredible experience, and we have the team to be able to support it. Wow, that's great! And it, it seems like that is uh, the future of restaurants. It's increasingly hard for somebody to just run one restaurant and you know work really, really hard and and maybe make ends meet. It seems like so much of the future is is large restaurant groups that can provide the the infrastructure that a chef who might want to open a restaurant doesn't have. And, and therefore, uh, if you join a big company, you can focus on making delicious food and the company can do the rest. And I, I imagine you're bringing in chefs who want to do that. Uh, indeed. And, you know, we the culinary side, the depth of bench is second to none. Um, as much as Jose is the North Star, it's leaders like Carlos Teodor and Rick Billings, who are co-chief culinary officers. You know, Sharice Gray, who is our head of R&D, all of our chef partners like Mercado that you mentioned earlier. Mercado's run by chef Nico Lopez. He continues to innovate. And Nico is, is an absolute rock star in Manhattan. Um, Zaytina here, you know, at, at Ritz, I'd love to host you. Chef Costa, I mean, it's a 20-year-old restaurant, and this is its second location. This has legs to grow because, you know, Chef Costa lives and breathes all things Zaytina. So we have that depth of bench, and then we have the North Star that all of our chefs know what the Jose standard is. And Jose refines and makes things better, um, you know, to answer your, your earlier question, there is no two, you know, there is no right formula to success. Growth is obviously one way. We're, we're built as an organization to scale and support our hotel and retail partners and ultimately deliver these experiences to our guests through our restaurants as well as our media division. Um, but you could have one restaurant and be really good at it uh, and live and breathe uh, that concept and succeed, which, you know, people 
forget Haleo is a 30 year old restaurant. Last month we celebrated 30 years um, and that experience has stayed consistent, true to its roots, always focused on authenticity. And you walk into a Haleo 30 years later, it is a, a, a group of young individuals who are finding the restaurant because they love, you know, Jose and his efforts and they're discovering, you know, Spanish cuisine for the first time 30 years after it opened. That's the beauty of being a restaurateur. When if you stick to, you know, if you stay true to your roots and what the ethos of your concept is, you can do make it work with one restaurant or 35 is in our case, or bigger as many of our, you know, peers are. And as you will become soon, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I remember when Jose was just a young chef running Haleo and <laughs> it was easy to call him and he'd return your call and you could interview him about whatever, <laughs> or whatever it was. And and now he's saving the world, which is awesome. And is <laughs> totally created such a, uh, such a great and it, it seemed not not to suck up to him too much but but a really positive kind of nice restaurant company with delicious food and all of that so do you do you I, as ceo of the jose andres group do you get to talk to him very often or is he busy you know making dinner no no you'd be you know jose has the luxury that none of us do he has 25 hours in a day yeah i don't know so, you don't. Yeah, so you know, he gets to do a little bit more than I get to do. Um, but no, Jose is as engaged uh, in our business as he is doing media and philanthropic efforts and, you know, humanitarian efforts. Um, he is a center of food and, you know, he's an he's a global ambassador of food. That's as simple as I can summarize it. I speak to him regularly, whether it's on our existing business, upcoming deals, our design you know, deal terms. I mean, he is very active, but he also has his hand in ultimately shedding light globally on food, which does as much for our business or more than if, you know, he's there performing R&D as he usually does when he visits the restaurants or guest experience or design, shooting, you know, TV shows, writing books, podcasts. He's out there bringing attention to food and that's where we become a brand company. And, you know, I would argue there are dozens of incredible chefs, uh, you know, in the world that are at the top of their game. There's only one global ambassador of food and what Jose does brings so much to our company and frankly, you know, all the other chefs with the attention that we garner uh, as to, you know, what our craft is and how important food is to the vitality of the world. Well, that is such a good segue to Jose Andres Media, which you're also in charge of, right? Indeed. Yeah, so real simply, we we looked at the company, as I said, we said, hey, we're, we're storytellers and we're content. And, you know, I, I joke around about the croqueta. You know, the croqueta is a dish that you can go down the street to Mercado Little Spain and enjoy. But I said, you know, the content is croqueta, why don't we launch a division that brings that storytelling to your screen and to your home? And what we did with Jose Andres Media, we launched it two years ago. And it is a storytelling platform that brings a lot of these ideas and stories to life. 
And it's a platform that shares content through streaming, podcasts, books, scripted, unscripted, so on and so forth. And we have a good core team that is focused on, again, bringing these stories to life. We did a show for Jose and his daughters traveling through Spain, which got a couple of daytime Emmy nominations called Jose Andres and Daughters in Spain. Um, we're launching uh, a book series coming out starting next year. We launched a podcast that won a James Beard Media Award. Jose has a newsletter. And, you know, a lot of it is Jose-centric uh, for the time being. But as you'll see, being the global ambassador of food, you're going to see others and so many other chefs and athletes, celebrities, you know, folks in politics have come out and said, look, I have a story to tell around food and I want to tell it through Jose Andres Media. So as the same way we're expanding our restaurant business, Jose Andres Media ex expanding for us to be able to tell the story of others in the future that, again, changes the world through the power of food, which is our, our mission and North Star. And, and is it also a revenue stream? I'm guessing it's a revenue stream. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's where my background comes in. Um, wanting to make sure that, you know, this is a viable company that generates revenue streams while it serves a purpose as well. And, you know, that combination of purpose and profits is the way we run everything we do. Well, since, since this is also a podcast and so it's being listened to by podcast listeners, what, what is the name of Jose Andres's podcast? It's um, winning. Podcast. We, we have, yeah, we have pressure cooker. Um, uh, is is the name of you know one of the the podcasts that he has, um, and you know love love your podcast and listen to it and would love to you know connect the two of you at some point. I would not object to that at all. I think that would be great. Uh, and and so what what's the topic of pressure cooker? I should listen to it, but I have not. Yeah, so it's it's all walks of life that come with interesting stories around food. Um, that Jose has been hosting for, you know, over the past year and a half and bringing those stories to life. Um, and it, some of it becomes more personal from the standpoint of bringing people together. Others, you know, becomes more uh, purpose-driven, such as, you know, the water and the scarcity of clean water and, you know, the challenges with sustainability and, you know, what's happening out there and, you know, broader environmental challenges. So it, it really varies, you know, from topic to topic. It just goes to show you how food touches so many different elements. And what we're trying to do is provide platforms to, you know, share those stories. And it was funny. I was recently in Europe looking at a bag of potato chips which is a, a famous, uh, a popular late night snack that I enjoy. <laughs> and I was sitting there and I, I was thinking about Jose Andres potato chips because we have a consumer products line. And I looked at the bag and this was in the mini bar. It was like a bag of, you know, Lay's, you know, something generic. And there were three ingredients. And it was like oil, potatoes, and salt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I looked up, you know, the U.S. potato chips and there were 18 ingredients. And it's topics like this. It's like, why can you have three over here and 18 over there? And how does that happen? Um, and it's not a right or wrong, even though we all, you know, have our opinions on it. It's just to begin discourse. 
And, you know, the important thing, Brett, about Jose Andres Media and Jose Andres Group as a whole is that we welcome discourse and unifying all walks of life. And that's something that, you know, personally, I believe in, I know our entire firm believes in, which is let's let's afford opportunities to share stories and bring people together around a plate of food and appreciate the perspective of others and see if we can be a catalyst for making positive impact with purpose in the world. That's really the goal of why we're launching podcasts and shows and, you know, bringing attention to, to food globally. That makes sense and is a, a lovely idea. I mean, food is such a great bonding mechanism. You know, you you sit down with somebody at a dinner table and although there are obviously it's a, it's a cliche that, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and other family gatherings can be fraught with uh, uh, political difficulties. But really, if you just sit down and talk to somebody and share food, I think it's one of the greatest bonding moments, which is hands down, hands down. Yep. And that is a nice sentiment on which to wrap up. So uh, Sam Bakshandapur, it was great to talk to you. Uh, congratulations. As it was great to speak with you, Brad. Look forward to uh, having you over to the Ritz Nomad and sharing the experience together next time around. That sounds great. And uh, congratulations on a successful and smooth opening. I'm going to send the good energy out there so that on your August 8th soft opening, it will be like clockwork. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Brett.